0: good morning church good morning. open your copy of god's word to first peter first peter chapter one if you are guests with us welcome i'm pastor john feek i'm the lead pastor here have the the joy of being able to preach god's word we're so grateful for the one the only Jay barons for preaching last week Bring in the word with power so grateful we don't want to just be hearers of the word we don't want to just passively listen we want to be able to lean in. We want to have our our pens ready, Bibles open, and here's what I would here's what I would challenge. Okay, I don't know if you, if there is anything ever that is taught here among our body, if there's anything that is ever preached that that you're not seeing from God's word that you have concerns about, you should be able to come and say. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm seeing that from the word. Could you please help me? Where did you get that from? I don't know if I agree with that. So let's wrestle together over what God's word says, because we're not real fired up about opinions. We're not real fired up about uh, what pop culture has to say. We we get pretty excited when God speaks that we want to listen and we want to be able to have our eyes open to see god speaking god's moving and we are active we are responsive we are engaged okay so we do that every day in our own time in the word we do that collectively as we gather and we have our bibles open so i i got my bible open page 834 doesn't matter what page it is in my bible it really matters what what page it is in your bible and so as we look at first peter we're in this series hope in the dark hope in the dark and if you want to hop online or subscribe to our podcast, you can catch up uh, and be able to listen to past messages. We are making our way slowly but intentionally through every phrase, every word that God has to say, because it all matters. Turn to your neighbor and say, it all matters. Every single word, right? We, we don't skip around. We don't jump around. We just say, what does God say next? What does he say next? And and we want to ring it out for all it's worth. And especially when we're going through seasons of trial, when we're going through hurts when when life is so unsettled and unsure where does hope come from the apostle peter says that you can have hope in the dark not when the dark is over not when you get through it and on the other side when when you finally experience the breakthrough when you finally get the answer to the prayer when you finally get what you've been longing for not then but right where you're at every step of the way, when it's hard, when it feels hopeless, that God is with you. God's speaking to you. God's doing a work that He can't do when it's comfortable. It's got to get hard. And it's there that we can hear His voice, maybe the loudest that we can say yes. And so Peter's got some things to say about how do we make progress when we feel like giving up? How do we keep pressing forward and endure when we feel like quitting? And here's what hope does. Hope don't quit, yo. Hope don't quit. Peter he would say, hope, don't quit, don't give up. There is hope no matter no matter what. And so today let's let's dive in, but before we do, let's get low. Let's get low before the Lord Father you want to speak right into our situation, right into the the stuff of our lives. God, you're not far off, you are near. You are with us. So God, help us to have our hearts humbled, our ears open. Help us to hear your voice. God, we need encouragement. We need help in our time of need. And God, you say that you are our helper. You tell us that you are the one that we can take refuge, we can run to, we can hide in. You are our safe place. You are the one with open arms. You are the one bringing healing in our pain. You are the one providing answers to the problems. You're the one that speaks right into our area of doubt. And God, if if we know anything about you, we know that you are good, even if nothing around us is. Even if none of our circumstances are. You are good. You are good. So would you speak? We're listening. We pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. So we're going to be looking at first peter 1 13 through 21 okay so we're not we're not just going to creep along at a couple verse pace we're, we're going to make some progress okay let's turn to your neighbor and say oh good yeah yeah we're, we're going to get down the road a little bit okay if you are taking notes and we're considering this hope that doesn't quit well it gets the gospel it understands the good news if you are going to be hopeful when it's hard if you are going to experience light in the darkness that may not lightning then you got to get the gospel and here's the good news here's the good news that the gospel changes us that we would be able to experience hope in these ways so here's what we're going to look at if you're taking notes number one and if i'm going to get the gospel and i'm going to live it out and i'm not going to quit i'm not going to quit i set my hope on a gracious god i set my hope on a gracious god you want to look at verse 13 Do you see it there it starts off with this therefore everybody say therefore Every time you see a therefore in Scripture, you better ask a question. you got to ask a good question. It's not a very creative question, but I think it's the proper question. Every time I see therefore, I better ask the question, what's the therefore there for? Good, good, good. So, some of you are like, I didn't even need to be taught that. All right, so welcome to church. Common sense sometimes does. And to write in, if I'm reading, I would read it just like I would any other book or writing. What Therefore what? What? What's the therefore Therefore. We just looked at a number of verses, 12 verses that talked about our salvation, that God the Father is at work electing and God the Son is laying down his life as a ransom and a sacrifice and the Holy Spirit is coming to seal and to fill us and to empower us that the Godhead is at work in salvation, that we are rescued by a gloriously big and gracious God. And he says, therefore because you know your salvation is so amazing so supernatural that you didn't work for it you didn't earn it you're never going to be good enough you you can't climb up the ladder god had to leave heaven to come down to us because we couldn't reach him therefore here it is peter's like there's implications to this right it's not just oh those are good thoughts that's good theology i'll I'll think about that i'll consider that theology is never just to be studied and analyzed and considered it's to be lived it's to be lived. Everything we know about God, we say, what do I do with that? I live it out every single day. And here's what Peter says. To all believers, set your hope in God. Not your circumstances. Not people. Not not what ifs of the future and possibilities. He says, therefore, this is how you respond. Preparing your minds for action. That's what you do. Now that you know you're gloriously saved, you prepare your minds for action. You're What sober minded, being sober minded with that kind of mindset, set your hope not a I hope so, God, I hope so, I hope so. He's like, Hope, solid, rock solid, unchanging hope that's being offered. Set it fully, fully. Somebody lift up your voice and say, Fully, not a little bit, all of it, right? There you go, fully, fully on the grace, fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So as we think about Peter's call, it's kind of unusual because he's like, because you're going through this hardship, you need to have a certain mindset and the Gospel changes your mind. The good news changes the way that you think about things. The way that you view yourself. You view Him. You view your fruit, your future, your past, your present. You, the way that you see it, it's different. And he says this, you better take action with your mind and you better be sober-minded. And I think here's a couple things that we can clarify with that. What does that look like? How do I do that? How, how, how? And that's a really great question, right? How do I set my hope? How do I get this mindset? Well, he says this, roll up your mental sleeves, if you will. Okay. Uh, I think in the King James and it literally we, we see not necessarily preparing your mind for action, but this imagery of gird up your loins. Have you heard that before? Uh, if we're gonna go way back, gird up your loins. Okay, that would have been pretty common. I wish we had like a like an image to just clarify. What does it look like? To, oh, there we go. There we go. All right. So thank you, Art of Manliness. If you want to check that out, artofmanliness.com. It's it's not a Jesus site or anything like that. But um, if one was to ask the question, how do we gird up your loins? If you have small children, and cover their eyes. But um if you're wearing a tunic and the imagery is it's not time to sit it's not time to stand it's time to run it's time to go into war it's time to battle what do you do if you're wearing a glorious tunic you you'd have to gird your loins up okay Uh, we're not cussing when we say that all right that's not a that's not a naughty phrase it just means it's time for battle and i can't have a robe in the way i can't have anything that's going to trip me up i need to get ready i need to be prepared and so oftentimes we find ourselves in a dark place and our response tells a story we were not prepared for this and maybe you're there right now that god's been calling us to a wartime mentality and we've been t-boned at the intersection blindsided where did this come from i thought god was good i thought i became a christian and all things were we're going to go smoothly now And what we're told, and Peter knows this well, when Peter said yes to Jesus, he left an easy fishing business that was going to be passed down to him. He left his inheritance. He left the good life. And he said yes to being crucified upside down in the end. But Jesus was trying to tell him the whole time and they didn't get it. The disciples did not understand. The call to follow is the call to suffering. It's the call to war. And Peter, he got it. He got it eventually. And now he's calling the church that's under persecution, that's running for their lives. And he says, because God is so awesome and He has rescued you, you don't run and hide. You get ready for war. You enter into the battle. And it starts with your mindset. So what what does he say here? You have to prepare for it and you have to be sober-minded. Roll up your mental Sleeves, you got a hope in God in the battle. If you do nothing, you lose. If you sit back and wait, there's no preparation. No prep means no victory. So, are you preparing? And maybe after today, here, here's your takeaway I have not been prepared, but after today, I am. I'm preparing myself, I'm preparing my mindset, I'm getting rid of the old lifestyle imagery in my mind of the American dream, and now I'm embracing. This new life, a life of battle, a life of resistance, a life of overcoming, taking action, being sober-minded. If you're taking notes, just jot this down. Take control of your thought life, he's saying. Take control of your thoughts. Nobody made you think that. Nobody's forcing you to think a certain way. You need to control your mind no matter what anybody else is doing or saying around you. The battle is in the mind. Be sober minded right mean, here's a question even though you're a christian maybe maybe you're not a believer but if you're a follower of jesus is it true that you can live the christian life for a while or even for a long time and be a mental drunk that i'm feeding on everything horizontally in this world that's filling my mind i just need a distraction i'm bored i i just need i need something i just i need to get through And we're taking hits as addicts all day long on whatever's going to bring pleasure, whatever's going to get us through. I just need to not think about that. I need a distraction. And that leads us where? I mean, should we start a list of the million different ways that we go everywhere horizontally shopping around? And Peter says this, be sober-minded. Get your mind clear that you're thinking God's thoughts after Him. That you're meditating on truth because... You're filled with lies and they got to go. You don't need a distraction. You don't need something to take the edge off. Here's the reality. We need Jesus. And not just at the beginning. We need Him every step of the way. But instead of Jesus, we will run after any other substitute. Whether it's in liquid form, in pill form, whether we can smoke it, drink it, look at it, whether we can sleep with it, whatever it is, we are willing to do anything except get our minds sobered, saying no to all the false counterfeit answers and say yes, I'm in a war. I need Jesus. I need to be able to get my mind prepared, my thought life. So will you be a drunk in the foxhole when the general arrives? Because he's coming soon. And we're in a war. And is he going to find us fighting Is he going to find us partnering together, engaged in the battle we're supposed to be fighting, or is he going to find us passed out in the foxhole while we're being attacked and we should be on the offensive and instead we're just bored and distracted? Instead, we're just coping our own way. He says, be sober. Be sober-minded. Are you going to get devoured by the enemy or are you going to die fighting? And here, here's a little sneak peek. First Peter five eight. First Peter five. We're gonna get to chapter five. All right. I don't know if that's gonna be in two thousand twenty five, but we are so gonna get there. Okay. All right. We're gonna get there. And First Peter. I'm just kidding. We're not. We're not going snail. Just, just maybe tortoise. All right. All right. So, so as, as we as we end this book, this is where the letter ends. In chapter five, we are called again by Peter. He's gonna say this. He's gonna say in five eight. If you wanna jot that down. He's going to say it again. Be sober-minded. Wait a minute. I thought I heard that in chapter 1. He's like, I don't think you got it. After a few chapters, let's review. Let's revisit this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Take action. And here's where we're going to go. Peter's going to tell us this. Why be sober-minded? Why be watchful? We just looked at, we got to be prepared for action, right? To set our hope. But he also says this in 5.8. Your adversary, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So if Peter in one letter wanted to bring up this idea of being sober-minded, taking action, wartime mentality at the beginning and the end, how important of a topic do you think this is? How, How crucial do you think he wants us to take this? That there's a lot at stake here. You are going to end up hopeless instead of hope-filled when life gets hard and trouble comes. You have an enemy that is on the prowl, on the hunt, and you are getting drunk off of the world's pleasures and being distracted with frivolous entertainment. And instead, you're supposed to be a soldier and you're drunk in the foxhole. Do Do you think that's a place of hopefulness or hopelessness? Do you think that's a place that that the enemy is eager to pounce or that you are able to resist him and he's going to flee. A lot of that starts with our mindset. Well, the battle is won or lost starting here. So how's your thought life? How's your thought life? And we're not just talking about, yeah, I know that guy, he's got a dirty mind. We're not talking about that. We, we all have dirty minds. Our minds are filled with stuff that are very unhelpful and we're asleep at the will, drunk, when we're supposed to be on the front lines fighting. So here it is. Hope don't quit. But it starts with this. It starts with such a beautiful truth. Hope means war. It means war. It means war. If we've thought about the Christian life that way or not, starting today, we can say it's pretty clear. There is a battle. I'm in it and I need to engage. But he doesn't stop there. I love this. Hope, don't quit. Not just because God is gracious and he's giving us everything we need in the battle to fight and giving us a new mind. But he says, says this, if you want to jot this down. Number two, I pursue holiness from a holy God. I pursue holiness from a holy God. How am I going to be hopeful when all hope is lost? Maybe this isn't the answer you thought about, but live a holy life. Pursue holiness. That's part of the answer. That's part of the solution to the problem of I'm just so depressed and I'm despairing. Are you living a holy life? Are you pursuing purity in all areas of life? Well, this is where Peter takes us. Verse 14, do you see it? Verse 14, as obedient children, obedient. He's assuming if you're a child of God, obedience. Do you know your papa? Do you know dad? Obey him as obedient children. This is what obedient children do. Don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Verse 15, but, every say but, but as he who called you is holy. That's what God's like. He's a holy God. You also be holy in all, every say all, all your conduct, all of it, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So what's the command? Be holy. Be holy sometimes. Be holy when holy people are watching. Be on your holiness, your holiest behavior because you're walking in church. Kids, get holy. We're about to get out of the car and go to church. Be holy when? All, all, all. And, and I, this is so crazy. I, I looked up in the Greek and all means all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I know that was free. That was free in all of your conduct in every area of life eat. and here's what here's what the pushback is well i'm trying and if you look at my life i'm i'm living basically a holy life all means from the mind to the heart to the actions all your conduct doesn't just come out of nowhere it starts with what what I'm, what I'm thinking about and dwelling on. And, and then it captures my heart because some of us know this. We, we do what we do because we, we want what we want and we want what we want because we, we think what we think. And so we can reverse engineer this whole process of a holy life starts with a mindset pursuing holiness that leads to a heart that longs and has affections for what is pure and good and holy. He says, this is how you don't quit hope don't quit and it doesn't quit because it's pursuing not something but someone and his name is jesus and it's a mind of loving god with all of our mind and it's a heart loving god with all our our heart and all of our soul all of our strength all that we do for him man The most hopeful people that you will ever meet are the holiest people you will ever meet. Worldly people are not hopeful people. People shopping horizontally are not hopeful people. People chasing Jesus vertically and living it from the inside out, there's hope. Even if there's death, even in the midst of death, even in great loss, yet even in tragedy, we are a weird people on the face of the earth, these Christians that are able to have hope when all hope seemingly is lost because we're pursuing a life chasing after the Holy One, wanting to be like Him. Here's a few things for us to consider. How, how do we pursue holiness? I, I just want us to be as practical as possible. We're not talking about ideas and concepts to just consider. We're talking about living it. What, what are you going to do Monday morning? What does Thursday night look like for you? Better question, maybe I should say, what does Friday night and Saturday night look like for each one of us? Well, here here it is. Number one, if if we're going to follow this command to be holy, instill your new family values. Instill them, set them, clarify them, live them. There are new family values. What do we mean by that? What does Peter say? As obedient children. We're talking family language, right? He's saying, hey, as a family, we're, we're a different kind of family. I don't know what what kind of rules did you have growing up. I mean, maybe just go through, go through the Rolodex because we had a Rolodex growing up. If you go through that and and think through all of the, well, my mom or dad or, you know, grandma, grandpa, whatever, they really majored on these things. And maybe up on the wall there was here's the three rules. For some of us, we lived in an extra special. Home, where here are the thousand rules, and we find out with every beating that I apparently broke a rule that I didn't know, but now I do. Now I know the rule. I know what we value here, right? And for some of us, we didn't have family values that reflected anything that was godly. It was whatever dad said, that's, I guess, what we're valuing right now. Whatever mom was screaming about, that's currently what we're going to value. And he says, God's people have values. And it's for every Christian home and every Christian marriage. And we value certain things. As obedient children, what do we value? We value resisting and fighting. What does Peter say? Don't be conformed. Resist that to the passions of your former ignorance. He's saying if we're going to go forward as a family and we're going to embrace being obedient children, what does that mean? That means i got to say, maybe in the past I was ignorant. I just didn't know. I don't know how many times you've texted I D K. Like, Hey, what do you think God wants for your future? I D K. There was a time in my life when, Hey, do you know Jesus? I D K. Uh, do you know how to live in a way that is holy? Uh, what is holiness? I-D-K. I there was a time that you were ignorant. I just didn't know. Nobody told to me. Nobody, nobody taught me. And he's saying, you can't go back to the place where you just didn't know your former ignorance. Peter says, now, you know, now, you know, and I think all of us kind of have a sense of, well, I want to be in the know. I want to be in the know what, what's going on. I'm missing out. What, what were you guys talking about? I want to know. I want to know. And isn't it glorious? Like God's like, uh, this isn't just for a special little group. I want the world to know that there are values, that we, we love these things and we, we shun other things, not people, but ways of life. We push it back. We kill it. We get rid of it because there's no place for it in this new life as an obedient child of God. Not backwards. I can't go back. I can't go back to IDK. I can't do it. i got to move forward. I want to know more. How about this? Imitate your father. I love this. Peter's like, as he who called you is holy. You know what Papa's like? You know Abba? Do you know what he's like? He's holy. He's a holy, holy, holy dad. He's gloriously holy, perfectly holy. And you're called to imitate him. I don't know the number of times. uh, Some of us are parents. Some of us, maybe you remember saying this or thinking this, but the number of times that well, mom, you do this. Well, dad, you say this. Like, where did you get that mouth? You. When did I? Oh, yeah, that's right. That was last Tuesday. And every child does something instinctively. They just watch and they observe. Even if you had a parent that was not respectable in any way, there was something in your heart. I want to respect my mom i want a respectable mom i want a mom that i can look up to and respect i want a dad i want a dad that i can respect that is respectable i want to look up to him because there's something inside all of us that i watch and i observe and then i imitate nobody teaches a child to imitate they just do it right if anybody spends any time with me Uh, On a trip, eventually there's going to be a few accents around the world that's going to come out of my mouth imitating the best that I can to whatever nationality pops into my head, okay? Um, There's imitation, and sometimes it falls a little bit short. But here's what we know about Dad. He's perfectly holy. He does not fall short, and he comes close so that we can imitate him. We can see him. We can listen to him jesus people are a people that speak with their father's accent because they hear his voice and they listen to him and they know what he values and what he loves and they reject what he hates and they're so so dad we don't do that no son we we don't do that okay that's the old me but but dad i blew it right you failed but i'm going to take you by the hand we're going to keep going we're going to keep going we're not going to go back to that son Don't hang out with them. It's going to lead to death and regret. Here, come follow me and watch me. This is what we do. And we do it together. How awesome is it that that God is Father, no matter what your dad was like, that there is a perfect Father for the church, right? That we're His kids. And that we get to imitate Him even if you had a horrible upbringing. And I could share a lot of stories about how awful... My upbringing was with with a dad that was there but absent and was unhelpful in ten thousand different ways and the longing to i want I want a dad that's good and respectable and my my dad came to Christ in his late fifties so i don't I don't know where the people you're praying for to come to Christ, but it's pretty awesome that God's not done with anyone and my my dad to be gloriously saved, and now he's He's been in the book for years and over the course of even weeks and months, he gets a little taste of what his dad's like and my grandpa was an awful human being and he didn't know what it looked like and he did the best that he could, but he got glimpses of his heavenly father and do you know what started happening to my dad? Our relationship changed because he saw, he saw God. And he found out what God was like. And every time I would visit, my dad that never said I love you, I didn't hear that until I was in my late 20s. And I haven't stopped hearing it. And the dad that never hugged me, that the moment I walked in the door and received my first hug, my first thought was, my dad got saved. That's the only explanation. Gloriously saved. And guess what he got to do? Catch up with all the lost time to be able to, it doesn't matter about my upbringing, my origin story. It doesn't matter about my home life. Imitate your father, but he who is holy, what am I supposed to do? I imitate him. I want to be like him. I want to be just like my dad. Number three, if you're taking notes, just jot down, identify yourself as set apart. Why is this demand? Why is there a demand to live a holy life? Why is it there? Why, why? Somebody lift up your voice and ask why. Why? Why why is it there? Why do I identify myself as holy? Because I live it perfectly? Because I'm awesome? Because like I was so bad, but now I am so holy. Therefore, I can say I'm holy. Is that why? It's because my, my dad has announced and proclaimed, you are holy. It's because Jesus, his only son was holy for me. That's why. It's because this is my new identity. I I don't know who you think you are. And I don't don't know if you were to write a list of, uh, describe yourself. So here's what happens. in I do a lot of counseling and I have a list of questions. And one of the questions that I always ask is, can I run through some descriptions? And you just say, yep, that describes me or no. And then at the end, after going through like 50 descriptions, I get to say, okay, now it's your turn. Two or three words, right? Not a phrase, but like two or three separate concepts or uh, identity words. Go ahead and how would you describe yourself? Who are you? Because I I don't know you. I'm just meeting you for the first time. And if I'm going to walk with you and lead you to Jesus, I I want to find out who do you say you are? Because pretty soon I want to tell you who God says you are. And I want to find out how different they are because most likely they're very, very different. I love the identity language here. What does it say? Since it is written you you shall be holy you will be holy for because i am holy you are your father's child so i can say my identity is not constantly shifting my identity is not based on well i'd have to say i used to be you used to be well yeah because i used to work there and that's who i was so you're your work wow that is like the worst identity ever so any given week, any given month, year, depending on where you work, that's who you are. What happens when you lose the job? What happens when you get fired? What happens when you don't get promoted? What happens when you leave there? Crisis. Why? Because identity is wrapped up in I am what I do. And for many of us, we wrap up our identity in a relationship, whether it's uh, I, I am the girlfriend or the boyfriend too. I am this person's fiance. I am the spouse of I am, I am and in relationship to horizontal people that are sinners and that are so subject to change? How's that identity going for you? Because in a moment, in a moment, your identity is lost in that relationship. Do you know why this is so crucial? Because a holy God says, look at me. Be like me. Why does that bring hope? when everything is hopeless because he ain't going nowhere he is not changing one bit he's the same yesterday today and forever if we were wise and i'm assuming we want to grow in wisdom we would latch on to something that cannot be moved and especially when it comes to this area of identity we would be incredibly wise to grab hold of an unchanging God and say, I can have hope no matter what's up ahead, no matter what's happened to me back there, because my God, He's set apart totally different. He is a holy God that cannot change. And I'm with Him. That's my dad. And I don't care what I go through and what heartaches. My dad's like, still here. I'm still here. I'm still yours. You're still mine. I'm not going anywhere. Grab hold. That brings hope. That is so hope giving. And I don't, I don't know if that's something you need today, but that changes everything. If I instill family values that say, we're going to love what God loves, we're going to hate what God hates, that I am going to imitate dad and that my identity is wrapped up in him. We're talking about hope, don't quit. And it is attached directly to this. Hope means holy. Hope means holy, the Holy One. I follow Him. I'm with Him. That brings hope. And here's here's lastly, we're going to land with this. Everybody say lay on the plane. Oh boy, here we go. I live with a healthy fear of a fearsome God. Any explanation needed for that one? Yeah. I live with a healthy, everybody say healthy, a healthy fear of a fearsome God. God this is where Peter goes he says hope means war hope means being holy I'm setting my hope on a gracious God I'm pursuing holiness from a holy God and I'm living with a healthy fear of a fearsome God you see it there in verse 17 we're going to read all the way through 21 and if you call on him as father if you're a Christian you do father what's dad like if you call on him as father who judges my dad's a judge It's good to know he judges impartially impartially perfectly no favorites no favoritism according to each one's deeds so he says this conduct yourselves with here it is conduct yourself with fear live with a a certain type of fear when should i do that well do it throughout the time of your exile can we back up just a second Peter is writing to a group that he calls elect exiles, chosen ones that don't have a home, chosen ones that are vagabonds. They're wanderers. They're, they're roaming the earth for now, just like Jesus. He didn't have a place to lay his head. And we're exiles. And he says, do you know what Jesus exiles do? Do you know what, do you know what those that belong to him? Do you know what they do? They conduct themselves with a certain attitude, a certain posture. And what's that posture? One of fear. A certain flavor of fear. During this time. It's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be like this. Verse 18, he says, throughout your time as an exile, why would I do that? Here's what verse 18 says. Knowing that you were ransomed, you were bought back, you were in slavery. Well, how did that happen? What does Peter say? Ransom from the feudal, the vain, the empty ways that you inherited from your forefathers. Could we, could we just pause there and think, if you're taking notes, your father is also a judge and he judges fairly and perfectly. Why should I fear? Why, why is fear a piece of the hope that I am to experience? I'm only hopeful if I have a certain type of fear. I fear Dad because dad's a judge and he's not just a judge he's not just a circuit judge he's not just the county judge he's the judge of all the earth what's your response to that well i love my dad and he loves me but my dad is the judge so that that communicates and feeds a certain attitude towards my dad my dad loves me and there's judgment because he's the judge Why is that a fearful thing? Because I know where I came from and there was a time in my life, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you have this story. This is part of your story. There was a time in my life when I lived with vain, empty, worldly thoughts, lifestyle. Where did I get that from? Peter says this. He's like, oh, this has been going on for a while. We're talking about generations and generations and generations. He says, your forefathers, do you know your history? Here's what's awesome. Preacher dude can stand up and in any room can say this, and I love this because I'm not even a prophet or a psychic. Your history of your family is a long, long line of sinners. That's where you came from. That's true for me. That's true for you. What were your forefathers like? Wicked. Mine too. What was a long history? And if you track it back and go to Ancestry.com, which is actually owned by Mormons, by the way, but just a side note, if you go to Ancestry.com and you're able to see your, your long history of my grandfather and great-grandfather, we can, we can stand here today and know one thing. I didn't know them. Maybe I heard stories, but here's the deal. They were sinners. And we just keep on sinning. And this is what's so awesome. I got a new papa now I got a new dad and I have a relationship with him that I have a new identity and I'm not sinner to him anymore I'm holy and I'm an obedient child to my father and Peter's really really pressing this don't go back to the old way don't go back to the generational patterns you have been ransomed he said out of slavery you have been purchased out of slavery to sin don't go back into the jail cell. Don't crawl back. You've been freed. Somebody paid for you. And I've been, I've been around some bail situations, okay? So one of, one of my good friends was a bail bondsman, all right? So we went on some cruises and I got to experience some things, right? Lots of guns, lots of question marks about how that interaction's going to go. And it's one thing to be bailed out of jail and be like, man, I'm so grateful that you, you paid you paid it off, Right? It's very different when your jail cell is opening up and you say how is it possible that I'm I'm free? And it's well, you said you trusted in that man right there, right? Yeah, but where is he going? Well, he's going to the electric chair. And he's going to be tortured and killed. That's the one you're trusting in, right? Yes, but is there another way? No, somebody's got to die. You or Him. And the only way that the the jail cell opens for you to walk free is that somebody else is in the other room being tortured and killed for you, for your freedom. It happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus on the cross. Your freedom isn't free. And He says, don't go back. Why would you go back to the old ways? Well, this is the way we do it in my family. Nope, nope, nope. You have a new set of family values because you have a new dad and the curse is broken. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? For some of us, we're the first. I mean, I I don't know if we have time for a quick survey, but for some of us, we're the first believer in our family. We're the first ones to say, it stops here. It's got to stop. And I, I know that there's a long heritage of a lot of creative sinful patterns in My family, but maybe I have to go first. Maybe I have to find where hope is found first. Maybe I have to find out what it means to to live a holy life first before I see it modeled in my family. Maybe I'm the first one. And I I was the first in my family and to see my whole immediate family come to Christ after me. I know what it's like to say, I know all the wrong ways. Can somebody please tell me the right way? Everything inside of me wants to go back to the old. I have no idea what the new looks like and the church is able to say hey welcome to the family and do you know dad <laughs> cuz i want to show you what he loves and i want to model it for you and i want to walk with you and i want to see the chains broken but we also know this about our god he's a fearsome god he judges your father is a judge and here's what's so beautiful the one that rightfully should have taken us to be executed, said, I'll send my son to do it for you and I'll buy you. I'll buy you out of slavery. I don't know if you're taking notes, but you were ransomed from your old life. You were ransomed. You were bought with a great price. 1 Corinthians 6 says uh, a whole list. It's got a whole list of all the old ways, all the old patterns of of. Sex with whoever and drinking whatever and smoking whatever and living and lying. And he says, such were some of you. That's how you used to live. You don't live that way anymore. Why? Because you're not your own. You were bought with a great price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Glorify God with all that you are because you were bought. You were ransomed. Don't go back. And here we go. Lastly, you're called to trust in God and His promises. I love it. It's a calling on your life. Trust in God. I don't know how many times you need to hear it every single day. Today's a new day. Set your alarm. What do you need to remember? Trust in God. Trust in God. Today's another day to trust in God. I can't rely on yesterday's faith. Today is a new day of trusting. A new day of believing. A new day of relying on Him and His promises. You're called to trust in God and His promises. As the worship team comes up, I want, I want us to consider this. This is what Peter says. Through Him, right? Through Him. There are believers in God. That's you. That's me if you're a follower of Jesus. And God raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. In God alone. And how amazing is it that we can say, trust in God. Hope in God. Hope in God. Soul, hope in God today. Every time you hear the bad news and the crisis comes, what's the first thing in your mind? Self, hope in God. Hope in God alone. There is no hope anywhere else. There's nowhere else to turn to. No other human relationship is going to fill the void. No other line of decision-making that is going to get you in a better place financially is going to provide for you what you're longing for. There is not hope found anywhere else. There's, There's no hope found And whatever the next thing is that you think you have to have in order to be satisfied, every day as believers we can wake up and say, I know where hope is found. And it's the same place because He's the same person. I need to stop shopping around and I need to go directly to my dad who loves me and provides hope. Even though he's a fearful dad, I'm no longer fearful of him in the same way because he took care of my greatest problem The judge already executed a verdict and we walked free from the courtroom. Somebody say that's good news. That is really good news. I have hope because the God that should unleash righteous wrath He poured it out on the cross. So I still have a healthy fear of the one who will judge perfectly and righteously and impartially But by grace alone, I'm not going to face Him in that way anymore. Because every day I can say, Jesus, You experienced that. You experienced the fearsome Father that executed justice. So let's stand together as we think about hope. Hope found in pursuing a new mindset, a wartime mentality, that we can have hope because we can Think about pursuing a life of holiness and purity. We can turn away from the old to the new. We can have hope. We can have such great hope because the God that is a fearsome God is on my side. He's for me. He's not against me.